healthcare is broken, and the healthcare industry is not going to fix itself. Reconstructing Healthcare is a podcast series where we interview the rebel entrepreneurs working tirelessly to disrupt the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we break down everything that's wrong with the current healthcare system and provide you with a blueprint to create better results. Now, here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Vanita Lakani, EVP Growth and Operations at Vita Health. Uh, Vanita, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. Awesome. So here's the game plan. What we seek to do here on this show is challenge status quo purchasing methods and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to either lower their healthcare costs or improve uh, value for their employees. Sound like something you want to help with? It sounds like I live this every day. It's what wakes me up in the morning. I love it. I love it. All right. So to get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about you. So our audience has a little bit of context about who they're listening to, and then we will jump into the interview. Vanita Lakani is the chief growth officer for Vita Health. Prior to Vita, Vanita held multiple senior executive positions at Anthem Blue Cross and began her career in strategic consulting in the insurance sector with McKinsey and Company. Throughout her career, Vanita has deeply focused on innovative care models and supporting reimbursement. As an executive working inside a payer, Vanita led enterprise-wide initiatives on physician incentive design and care transformation inside the doctor's office and in the hospitals. As a leader in digital health, Vanita is focused on the future of care in the day-to-day, particularly on how mental health and physical health work together concurrently to achieve sustainable outcomes. She joined Vita to expand virtual access to real human care teams, health coaches, registered dietitians, licensed therapists, diabetes educators, and pharmacists, while using technology as a force multiplier for engagement. Vanita strongly believes in Vita's approach in addressing physical and mental conditions together. Outside of work, Vanita enjoys running, hiking, yoga, and spending time with her two daughters and husband. All right. Anything else you want to add to that awesome bio there? No, I think that that about covers it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Vanita, you have a long history in, in consulting and then you know working in a number of different leadership roles at Anthem Blue Cross. So tell us why you decided to leave a, a national carrier to work for a digital health startup. You know, that was uh, a big a big decision for me, actually quite a big career move uh, in many regards. I was always kind of a risk averse sort of person, uh, grew up in, uh, you know, very known uh, entities as it related to the companies I opted to, to work for, um, McKinsey and Anderson Consulting way back in the day, and then Anthem. But I think what happened is I really have connected that my, my job kind of at some point in Anthem became more than a job. Um, healthcare is really important to me. And I realized it uh, most when my, my parents became ill, kind of somewhere in my career at Anthem. And as much as I was focused inside the big insurance company on value-based care and on really changing what happens when people get to the doctor's office, I didn't feel like I could really put my finger on the changes because when I went to the doctor with my parents, I wasn't seeing them. I wasn't seeing healthcare change. I wasn't seeing how what I was doing was actually showing up at the front lines. And so uh, it was important. Uh, the, the incentive models and, and care models really important from an insurance company standpoint to move towards value based care and get away from fee for service. But it's a long road before that those changes really show up every day when people interface with healthcare. 
So I wanted an opportunity to do that. I wanted to impact the lives of people in a very direct way every day that they woke up, right? Not just when they show up at the doctor's office, every day when they woke up, that I was somewhere that had, that made a difference in their lives. And so when I encountered Vita, it really did that. And so for the first time in, in my career, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going down the big company path. I think we're 60,000 employees at, at Anthem. And I joined Vita when it was somewhere like 200 employees. So, and we've tripled you know, growth since then. Uh, it's been a great journey so far. I love it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get into Vita and, and, and what you guys are doing right now, but let's start at the macro level. So, so here we are, you know, February, 2022, I believe at the tail end of the Omicron surge, you know, and, and hopefully getting closer to COVID-19 being endemic versus, you know, pandemic. But if we think about what's happened to us you know, over the last, you know, 20, 21 months or so, I think it would be an understatement to say that this pandemic has taken a toll on society as a whole, especially as it pertains to our mental health and well-being. And so that said, I do believe there are some silver linings here in, in, in this situation. And so before we jump into the interview, I'd love to hear your perspective on what do you think that we learned over the last, you know, 22, 23 months and do you think there were any positive outcomes as it pertains to the acceptance of telemedicine and digital health? Yeah, absolutely. There are. I think, you know, you rightfully called out the mental health component of this that came to the surface in a way that it never had before. You know, if you look at statistics on mental health, it's, you know, one in five Americans, you know, have some sort of mental health issue. This COVID exacerbated that. We saw more of that come to the surface. And and not everyone's receiving mental health care. And so the silver lining here is that we're finally accepting it as a mainstay. You know, we the, the dialogue always put mental health as something separate and distinct, and there's a stigma around it. And we're seeing the tide shift. I think that is absolutely true. Employers are very focused on the mental health needs of their employee base. I think just about every insurance company is rethinking their strategy around behavioral health. And so I I'm just really encouraged that we're finally putting mental health in the forefront of what we need to uh, address, you know, to, to make care better. I think the other silver lining is how much we're now willing to talk about health equity and social determinants as a key factor to improving healthcare as well. And we've been saying it for a long time, right? We've been underneath the surface talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and what that means. But at this point, it is really and truly a, like it's a mandate, right? You're not going to attract employees to come to your company unless you can authentically show that you you care, right? Uh, You care about diversity equity inclusion, not just in general with workplace policies, but in terms of the kinds of benefits you provide and in terms of uh, how you design uh, the healthcare you deliver to your employees. It's really important. So, So I think the silver lining is that it has raised the focus on things that it really needs to be. And I think my biggest fear is that we go backward. <laughs> you know, we go backward. Virtual care, I think you asked me about that, uh, took a totally new realm. I think many of us in digital health said we made more progress, um, ironically, in COVID than we would have. It would have taken us five and 10 years in healthcare to get to where we are now. Uh, so we did see that. We did see that. 
but we're, we're seeing some retraction. Like I think the virtual health visits really surged during the peak of COVID. And we are seeing now them coming back to what they were before. I think mental health may be a bit of an exception on that if you look at the data. But I am, I'm not discouraged by that because I, you know, I, I really have never thought that the answer is virtual or physical or, you know, it, it really is a combination. I think the point is we have now uh, brought it to be very normal for society to use this modality uh, and the best of this modality to deliver care. And uh, I'm very optimistic that, that that is here to stay. Well, I, I agree. I think certainly COVID fast forwarded, you know, the population's acceptance of those, you know, modalities of care. And I love that you brought up diversity, equity, and inclusion as it pertains to benefits, because that that's that's something that I think isn't discussed, but there is a hundred percent inequity in healthcare. You know, for the person that is is a single mom with two kids, just the time, right? They don't have the, the same time that maybe I do to take time away from my job and, and get access to care. And, but I think we're, we're making progress, you know, in a lot of different fronts there. So, but I think it's a great topic and, and potentially a whole nother topic for another podcast interview. So let's get into uh, Vita Health. So what is the Vita Health product and service and, and what problems are you guys attempting to solve? Absolutely. So we provide physical, mental, virtual care for chronic conditions. Uh, We are the only entity in the industry that integrates the two. So, for example, for a member who has diabetes, uh, and we know that there is kind of a a bidirectional relationship between chronic conditions like diabetes, just a great example because it's so common and so prevalent, but so many other conditions, this is true. There is a bidirectional relationship. So if you have diabetes, you're twice as likely to develop some form of depression or anxiety. And actually, if you have depression or anxiety, you're more likely to develop some kind of chronic condition like diabetes. And so there's a bi-directional relationship. The research and the literature support this. And yet we don't think about the the head and the body as one unit. And that's unfortunate. Um, There's a long history of structural issues in the industry that led us there. But we at Vita really take that to heart. And so we, for a person who may have both, we first of all, all uh, members that come to Vita with any kind of chronic condition, we screen them for co-occurring mental health burden. And if they do have it and it's severe, we will pair them with a care team. That includes a registered dietitian who will uh, be able to help them on their nutrition and, and the needed pathways for diabetes, but then a licensed therapist who's working in coordination with that uh, dietitian to um, address the mental health side of things. And, and they, the two will coordinate, truly coordinate. And so we couple that human care with uh, an AI-enabled uh, technology that is effectively really engaging the members as, as much as possible on their holistic set of needs. So they have food trackers, they have thought trackers, they have peer groups within the app where you know they can inter- interact and engage with others who may have you know, similar health conditions. Uh, they get content, lots of education. And we do this in a way that's highly personalized. So we're, you know, bilingual. We do it in English and Spanish. We've mm. not just translated our app into Spanish, but really taken into account what kinds of uh, dietary needs that our, you know, Latinx community needs and how that how that varies uh, across Caribbean Spanish and Mexican Spanish. So we really think about it and, you know, have personalized the way we deliver service in uh, in a way that I think is also very unique in the industry. 
Got it. Got it. Well, I think certainly very interesting that you guys are, are, are focusing both on chronic conditions and mental health and, and the way that you explained it, you know, I think makes a lot of sense. Let's start with the mental health side and then we can go into, you know, some of the, the services for chronic conditions. But, you know, tell us a little bit about your specific approach to, to mental health care and, and what resources you're providing to employees that uh, engage on the platform. Yeah, absolutely. And so our model is uh, rooted in in cognitive behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral principles. And so we have a team of both mental health coaches and uh, licensed therapists. Uh, We launched prescribing this year as well. So to date, it really has been focused on uh, counseling related needs and we covered the full spectrum. So lower acuity members uh, will be paired with a mental health coach who's trained uh, in cognitive behavioral principles, as well as mindfulness based stress management. You know, moderate to severe members are paired with a licensed therapist. Uh, And then if we end up with people who are in the space of substance abuse or needing other severe mental health, other, other severe mental health illness, we have care navigators that will assist those people in making sure they get the care in offline because you can't assume you can solve all mental health needs virtually. We do believe that some things you are going to require the brick and mortar uh, kind of specialist. And so we have a care navigator, care management sort of um, system that gets these members you know, connected to offline resources where it makes sense. We are overlaying prescribing now because we know that, uh, that this is a need. You know, oftentimes primary care uh, isn't in a position to deal with all the mental health needs of the, you know, of the population. And so we really are finding that there are medication gaps where the medications are needed. And so we're looking to incorporate that, you know, this year, our outcomes are excellent. We, uh, you know, 75% of our, our membership will achieve a reduction uh, in at least one clinical grade in the, using the PHQ and GAD, at least one clinical grade, get grade step down in uh, reduction in, in their mental health burden within three months. And then if you look at our average sustained reduction in depression and reduction in anxiety, we have uh, published papers now that demonstrate we have 70% reduction in anxiety and depression. So we're really proud of our results. We uh, have taken to heart, not just the access, this is really one important differentiator about VITA and how we approach mental health versus I think what you're seeing out there. We, We absolutely are addressing the access problem in the sense that you get to a person immediately. When a person Uh, comes to Vita, you're able to you, you know, kind of instantaneously chat with the coach or chat with the therapist. That's important. It's not enough, right? And I think that's the change in the industry that I want to see happen in mental health. It's not enough. You need to know. You need to know that the change is effective. You need to look at the outcomes and uh, and really kind of dig into what they are. And so we are, you know, putting guarantees behind our outcomes, and we really have focused on the quality element of mental health care just as much as the access component. You mentioned measuring outcomes in progress. I mean, what, what a novel concept compare that to what happens in the traditional behavioral health community or or, or network of providers, say for Anthem could be anyone, Cigna, Aetna. There's no measurement. Is there? 
There is no measurement. And honestly, I think the industry is just scratching the surface. Um, PHQ and GAD are the leading clinically accepted uh, instruments for kind of measuring the severity of mental health today. And we use those and uh, and we, you know, not just hold ourselves accountable, but our our teams, you know, our, our care teams are accountable for bringing the, you know, the levels down and we have great success in this. But I think what you find in traditional brick and mortar delivery is that that therapy goes on forever, right? It just goes on forever. And there is, uh, you know, no real accountability back to, okay, what's really going on here? And that's, that is not, if we continue down that path as an industry, I think we are not going to solve the problem. We absolutely need to look at what it is that drives the outcomes. Yeah. I am a, a critic of traditional networks for many, many reasons. But, you know, to me, what you guys are doing here and other digital health vendors are, are, are doing the same. This is necessary progress, right? Because if you're an employer, how do you know what results you're getting for your people if it's not measured, right? right. So, so the fact that we are seeing measurement in the digital health space is a huge step in the, in the right direction. And I love hearing that you guys are doing it. Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of dive into, and I don't know that it would be natural for a lot of people to think about coaches, yeah. right. For, for, for behavioral health, because most people think about, you know, access to care and they think about therapists and psychologists, uh, psychiatrists. And so tell us why you guys decided to include coaches and, and how that's, you know, addressing, you know, access and the need out in the marketplace. Yeah. And for us, I think even as we look at the physical programs we offer and the mental health pro programs we offer, the principle is you want all your care team members working at the top of their license, right? That's an important uh, element of healthcare. We don't want our licensed therapists who in general for the company are in short supply to be handling things that coaches have trained appropriately can handle. And so- right. Uh, the only way uh, for us to solve the crisis in supply is to make sure that we're operating at the top of our license. And so we take that population health model, so to speak, in a very uh, serious way. And so we have trained mental health coaches uh, very specifically in cognitive behavioral principles and measured whether or not they're able to achieve PHQ GAD reductions, and they are. And so that's the good news is that if you do it appropriately, they absolutely are. That is not to say that you disconnect these things. You absolutely have to use that. This is where the care team model is very important. And so being able to refer back and forth and have licensed therapists on hand to escalate care when needed is really important. And I would say the other way, step-down care is really important as well. And so we monitor our patients in both directions and the coaches are an incredibly important element of that. Yeah. I mean, look, I am a big believer in, in coaching and, and mentors, the greatest athletes in the world yeah. all have coaches and not just one, they all have like six coaches, right? They have their own nutritionists. They have their own athletic coaches. They have sleep coaches. They have psychiatrists or psychologists, you know? So I think the, the analogy of, you know, coaches to the best athletes in the world are relevant to, to all of us, normal human beings, right? I mean, to be the best versions of ourselves, sometimes we need a little coaching to get there. Absolutely. I think what you're saying, and I really believe in this, is that the human element is important 
to any kind of uh, self-improvement. You know, our goal as we take on, uh, you know, patients with mental health needs is to make them their own therapist. Uh, just like you're saying, uh, the goal of some sort of coach for an athlete is to make them a better athlete, you know, to a point where they're not so dependent on the coach anymore. You want the athlete to perform in and of themselves. And we want you know, people to achieve mental health and sustain it in and of themselves. So you don't start that process with the idea that your um, therapist is going to just be around forever. You really are trying to impart uh, skills on the, the patients so that they're able to achieve a level of emotional wellness. And the human element's really important, right? It's really important to have that in the mix. So in a world where we're pouring capital into digital health and AI, you really have to figure out in healthcare how you're going to weave the two together where AI is doing its job, but we're not displacing the humans that are such a critical part of health. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the clinicians, the behavioral health clinicians on your team. So are your, are your therapists and psychiatrists, are they W-2 employees? Or are you simply contracting like a network? It's both. We have employees uh, and then we have also 1099 contractors. And so it is a uh, mixed model because, you know, you have to kind of deal with volumes being different. I mean, in the case of therapy, they have to be licensed in the state that they're delivering care to number. And so you really do need that flexibility in your workforce. The one thing, though, is none of our uh, provider base is working off on their own. So we don't recruit them and then say, okay, go to it in your own EMR, whatever you're using is fine. No, we have our own platform. We teach our own techniques. We have, you know, a pretty intensive set a curriculum around cognitive behavioral therapy and pretty intensive quality checks along the way. And so if they're going to join us, whether joining as a 1099 or an employee, you are subject to all of that training and to the methodology that we have developed that has shown to deliver outcomes. Got it. You know, I think one of the biggest issues in the regular, you know, network environment is, you know, you need, you need to see somebody and it takes forever, right? So somebody on the Vita platform, whether they're, you know, coming in because they realize they need some behavioral health help, or if they're being referred, you know, from, you know, the the person that's helping them with their diabetes, for example, how long does it take on average for somebody to get access to a coach or to schedule a therapy session? It's instantaneous. So when you download the Vita app, uh, the the onboarding process includes the selection of your uh, primary care team member. So if you are severe enough to have a therapist as being primary, then you will select between three to five uh, therapists right there. They'll you will provide the profile of the person. Then you kind of uh, get into the uh, app and you're able to text them right away. So it's instantaneous. And uh, most appointments are made. You know, their appointments are available as soon as the next 24 hours, most of them are, I think, made within the first week to week and a half. Very different from what you see in the offline world where you can really be calling therapists and then hope that they'll call you back for an appointment. That callback might not happen for uh, a few days. And so it can get real. And then most of them may or may not be accepting new patients. We've eliminated all that friction, right? You come to us, we're giving you the options and you can schedule the uh, appointment right there from the app and begin texting right away. So we've removed a lot of friction that exists in the process. Yeah, I think that's a good way to to, to talk about it, you know, because the to, to your point, you know, with a, net, a regular network, yeah, you're calling, you're waiting for a call back. And, and, you know, we have employees in our LA office, you know, who've talked more to big metropolitan area here and, yeah. you know, have talked about it taking 
three to four months, right? For exactly. one of their one of their family members to get in to see somebody. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about the chronic condition management. So tell us about the types of conditions that you're you're focused on and and what resources uh, you're providing to enrollees. Yep. And our focus is the full spectrum of cardiometabolic disease. So that means people who have prediabetes, obesity, uh, all the way through type two diabetes. And then, you know, the, the other end of it, which is uh, heart disease, right? Congestive heart failure, coronary artery disease. These are, I I think the way that we've approached this is you, you don't take each of those disease states as point you know, point solution issues, right? You really have to look at it as a spectrum because the underlying behaviors that you need to change are very similar in, in, in cardiometabolic disease. And so we have really sort of nailed the nutrition components, that full spectrum and uh, focus on a Mediterranean diet as an example and, and carb reduction and carb control along the way. It's not keto. Uh, keto uh, is I think appropriate for a very small slice of the population and then is is not necessarily sustainable. So we've taken a sort of Mediterranean diet approach, uh, really encourage uh, carb control, carbs in moderation and carb reduction to a point where you're monitoring your your blood glucose along the way and understand the relationship between food and your blood glucose levels. So we do this and we do it in a very integrated way. So for example, our hypertension program, there's so much overlap. So many people with diabetes also have hypertension. And so we are helping members just focus on uh, blood pressure control at the same time as they're learning the right behaviors uh, for uh, nutrition and blood glucose control. You can do that with a care team member and a personalized care plan and uh, and really help bolster the member through the content we're delivering. Yeah. So, so a lot of times, one of the values I see in digital health is remote monitoring with a clinical care team. Right. Yeah. And you and you can't do that with brick and mortar. Doesn't exist. Doesn't right. right. Do, doesn't exist. So for for these types of conditions, do you guys have, you know, digital tools that allows for that remote patient monitoring with your clinical team? And, and so t- tell us what what you have and what you're using. We, uh, you know, we deploy cellular uh, blood glucose monitors, cellular blood pressure cuffs, cellular scales. So we uh, deploy all of this as kind of part of our programming. I think we've taken, though, a very important approach to devices that is also a little bit different than the rest of the industry in that the device is not the center of a person's care plan, right? It is not that you take every member with diabetes and you just send them a, a blood glucose meter and, you know, you're good. That's not engaging. Engagement in our minds, like we are looking for you know true behavior change, and we believe you have a longitudinal relationship to your care team member. So the human is the center of the care plan and the center of the solution, and that relationship to that human is the center of the solution. The device is a enabling factor that helps them along the way. Uh, we've also kind of thought carefully about which members really need a glucometer, which members would do better if they just took a scale because they're lower acuity. And you know what? You don't need to be uh, monitoring blood glucose so much. You really just need to be monitoring weight. Uh, And so we've really sort of personalized again with the device approach, what's necessary for this member. And let's, let's make sure we, the best device member that that is, is the one that that they're going to use and the one that's going to help them with their behavior change. I love it. I I think behavior change is, is key. And, you know, going back to the coaching you know, aspect of it, you know, a lot of times we all need a little help, 
with behavior change. You know, you, you talked about how you're tracking results on the behavioral health side. How are you doing that with an active participant for, with chronic conditions? How are you tracking their results and progress? Yeah, absolutely. We measure A1C, we measure weight loss, uh, we measure their medication adherence uh, using claims data. And we also spend a lot of time doing lookbacks when enough data is in place on how did they uh, how did they do on cost, right? Uh, did their costs go down? And so we have taken measurement in a very uh, kind of serious way. It's it's at the center so much so that we offer 100% fees at risk for our solutions, and this includes wow. mental health and physical health combined. So 100% fees at risk for enrollment, engagement, and outcomes. And we uh, really work with our clients to establish the target metrics in each population. And uh, and we're we're putting I guess you, the, the phrase is you put your money with your, where your mouth is and so we we've done that because we have a real faith in our clinical model and so all those things you just mentioned th- those are things you can report on back to the employer yeah absolutely we can report on A one C we can report on medication adherence we get access to claims data uh, we can report on weight loss because we have the scales a lot of survey based measures that we also track within the app so we will report on that as well. So it's interesting, as I listen to you speak, we have historically separated care management with wellness. Mm -hmm. But in this case, don't you think that's a little silly? I mean, if we're talking just high level, wouldn't you consider Vita a wellness product? It's an interesting question. And I think that the industry loves buckets, right? This solution's in the wellness bucket. This solution's in the diabetes. This solution's in the mental health bucket. And we don't look at we don't look at buckets. We look at the whole person. And to be really honest with you, a person with chronic conditions may also have wellness needs. So for example, we have a set of programs that we call preventive, or we call them lifestyle programs, nutrition. We have a resilience program. Uh, We have, uh, you know, a smoking cessation program. So there's a range of things that uh, a member may want to engage in, even if they have diabetes and, and that's okay, right? We can add that uh, programming to their care plan as necessary. And it's just a little bit more of a realistic way to address a member's true needs, right? We have, oh, here's a great example, sleep health. We get so many chronic members with chronic disease who also have sleep health issues. And so we add this, what we call the sleep behavior to their care plan alongside their chronic needs. And they're able to, uh, in a Netflix style browsing fashion, read the content on how to have sleep hygiene. Their coach is able to address that. Now, if you're a member with diabetes and you're not sleeping at night, I don't think you're going to make any progress on diabetes until you address what's going on with your sleep. And so our coaches are really very attuned to this, they have to use motivational interviewing, understand what's on that mem- that person's mind right then, address that, and then kind of move them along their, their care pathway. Got it. Let's talk about engagement for a, a second. You know, the, the relative value for any digital health solution is based on the number of eligible members, right, versus who you can get enrolled in that program. Um, so what are you doing to drive engagement? And if you have the statistics, you know, what percentage you're, you're reaching, you know, for the eligible cohort in your clients? Yeah. uh, So this is a a great question. So on the enrollment front, we have deployed what we call a surround sound approach. So, you know, we've, we've tested all kinds of techniques on when you deploy with an employer, 
what is the best way to get people understanding what Vita is, understanding the fact that Vita is sponsored by their employer. And we have found that surround sound is the best way to go. So we will uh, work with employers. We will get on their newsletters. We'll do localized webinars. We will do phone calls to members. We will send emails to members. We will send mailers to members and do digital ads. And so it is the, the con- when, when you have all the different marketing access available, and you truly can um, do that surround sound effect, we see the best results. Um, in a given employer, uh, on average, it's about 15% enrollment. Uh, but we've seen north of that when you put all of the pieces in place and the word really spreads. Uh, we've seen way north of that. And so we it really is, it goes by employer by employer, and we mm-hmm. work on the strategy with which they want to really get the word out there. And, uh, and so we have an average of 15% enrollment. So now that is not the end of the story uh, because once you're enrolled, it's how long are you engaging? So 70, 75% of VITA members will remain engaged to six months, uh, which is a, you know, really important statistic because uh, we see that sustained pattern of engagement. And the secret behind that is that because they feel connected to a human who has a longitudinal view, it's not like, what we're doing is, okay, you had an out of range blood glucose values. Now we're going to have a coach call you and that coach, you know, may be different every time you have a different value. No, this is a longitudinal relationship with the provider you chose as a member who is constantly working with you. And, uh, and that connection means something and and it, it really gets us to sustain engagement. I think that's a great transition into my my next question is, you know, that whole process of, of building a relationship with somebody so that they can talk to the same person over time and, and, and see, you know, good results. So what are you seeing as far as member experience, yeah. you know, as, as far as customer satisfaction scores, you know, and how are you tracking that? Yeah, we're very proud of our average 80 NPS. And in fact, in our Spanish speaking populations, that number is 87 And so uh, we have um, just phenomenal results across our clients on NPS and we're really proud of it. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, they love it. And I think, but like I said, that we we call it the therapeutic alliance. So that's the relationship between the member and the, um, the, the care team member they choose is sort of key to that. And in fact, uh, we go. We take that so seriously, the satisfaction so seriously, because we know that if you don't have a strong connection between the member and their care team, that you're not going to get the results. And so we actively kind of uh, nudge the members and we ask them, you know, how do you feel about your provider? We, we, we do a therapeutic alliance survey. If it's not strong enough, we will prompt them to change their care team member right there from the app. No guilt, nothing. You can just go in and yep. choose, choose who you want to work with. Well... I've had a lot of people on this podcast and I've heard a lot of great customer satisfaction scores, but you win. That is the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the 87 with the Spanish speaking population. That is the highest NPS I've ever heard anybody reference on the show and outside of the show. That is phenomenal. So excited about that. Yeah. That's great. So let's talk about outcomes and results, right? You know, for an employer who's offering this, I mean, there can be a variety of reasons to offer it. You know, one, you you want to offer better quality of care for your members, give them, you know, better resources, right? But oftentimes, right, employers have to weigh the cost benefit of, yeah. of adding a new a new program relative to what they have in place today. You know, for an employer 
who's offering Vita to their, their employees, what results might they expect, you know, based well, on your book of business? Yeah. And we, we do custom ROIs for every single one of our employers, anywhere from say 1.2, 1.4 X in year one uh, to North of two uh, X when you kind of look at it in year one and, you know, chronic disease is a long-term play. And so yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that any different, right? You're going to see results in high utilizer populations and you'll see those quickly because, they're sick and they're utilizing. And so there's costs that you can take down there. It takes a little longer to see it in the uh, the rising risk, uh, as we call it, the rising risk group. We're not quite at the point where they're uh, racking up ER visits and inpatient visits. But if you don't you know, intervene, they're going to get there. And so you get, a, you get a real value out of this. You'll see it, but it may take a little bit longer from a claim standpoint to show up in the, in, in the actual data. And so, you know, I think for employers, they're in a the best spot in the industry to really in, invest in prevention. I mean, I think, you know, Michael, like as an industry, we're very reactive. We, uh, you know, worry about cost when it hits the hospital <laughs> radar. We um, and, and so we, we really don't put the effort on prevention in the way that we should. A lot of that, I think, is just the way the industry is set up, right? You know, there's a lot of churn in the uh, insurance book of business. So if you're a health plan, you got members coming in and out. It takes longer to see those kinds of results. Employers are in an absolutely fundamentally different seat. You know, they have employees for longer periods of time. They really have to invest in uh, the health and wellness of their, of their employees in addition to working on productivity gains and yes. making sure they've got a healthy workplace. So, so that's important. And we, and we work very closely with our employers to develop custom ROIs based on the specific needs of, of, their, of their cohorts. I think the ROI guarantee is certainly what I think you know, some employers need. Not all employers need that to implement something like this. You know, how many uh, to date, I mean, you guys are, are, you know, relatively new organizations. So to date, you know, how many, you know, employers or member lives are currently enrolled in the program? Yeah, we have uh, north of 2 million uh, eligible lives, you know, and uh, huge clients across both the employer and the payer space. Um, in the employer space, you know, we're working with marquee organizations like Boeing and the self-insured school districts of California, Visa, Prudential, uh, lots of different sectors. In fact, uh, we're seeing a lot of traction with schools uh, because, um, you know, we've got we've got quite a few school organizations in our client mix. And uh, as you know, through COVID, school workers in general have have uh, have borne a lot of different stress and have ha- had a lot of different needs. And so that's a sector, for example, that we're really focused on. Uh, we also see a ton of needs in the industrial vertical, um, you know, the, the, um, the planes, trains and automobiles, as I would put them. So lots of client uh, names and kind of growing in, in various different sectors today. Very good. So if I had to ask you, you know, what are you most excited about, you know, right now in the business, you know, any improvements or enhancements to the the platform of the service that um, you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I'm very excited about the launch of prescribing. That's um, an important element for us as we kind of uh, move forward in uh, our care delivery uh, to the patients that we have. Uh, And I would say I'm excited about that because it really closes an important gap uh, in our patient needs. So that's really, really important. But then, you know, we are a, I think what I'm also proud of, a culture of excellence, right? So we're looking at the, the micro changes in our 
our product every single day uh, to understand how do we engage members even more? You know, how do we get them to, uh, you know, lean in on their meals that they're eating? You know, we we took um, special care, for example, in the Latinx uh, population to not only translate the application, but to um, invest in the kinds of cultural foods and recipes that would be appealing to uh, these members. We're investing a lot in social determinants of health. And so understanding, you know, how do you get around issues like, okay, may not have a cell phone or, uh, you know, may not be able to afford the co-pays of drugs. And so what do we do? And so those are just as exciting roadmap uh, development areas for us as kind of some of the new feature uh, functionality, like new programs and things like that. Yeah, that's great. No, I, I think, you know, certainly, you know, focusing on social determinants of health, you know, that's, that's you know, something that's been a long time coming as far as, you know, being an element of, of uh, healthcare products and services. You know, one of the things I forgot to ask that I, I want to make sure our subscribers uh, and listeners understand is, what is the cost structure for Vita Health? Is it, you know, a per employee per month? Is it a combination of a PEPM plus an encounter fee? Mm-hmm. Is, or is it a per participant per month? How do you guys structure it? Yeah. So the typical model is per participant per month. We do have PEPM models, which work for some clients, but I think by and large, clients want to pay for participating members. At least that's yes. what we mean. And so we have a per participant per month. And as I said, it is a 100% fees at risk model, right? And so we'll define metrics and re- return the participation fee if we don't hit those metrics. That's great. That's great. And so from, from that standpoint, look, I think per participant fee structure is way better because they don't have to, you know, budget for it like a fixed cost. They can budget for it like a claim, which is a lot easier. All right. Well, we've talked about a lot of great, great stuff here. If there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? Wow. Um, I think you've asked me just about everything, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but, but I'll just offer up that, uh, you know, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm in it to make a difference, right. It's, it's really important. And as I said, I think, I think we're turning a corner on chronic care now and getting past uh, some of the, the shiny objects that we thought were going to be the answers to chronic care and getting into kind of the real results. And, and that inspires me, right. I, I see clients leaning into the fees at risk model as an example, because they care about the outcomes. And, and that's, that's what I like to see. I love it. I love it. So how can people interested in Vita Health get in touch with, uh, with your organization? Where do they go? Yeah, the simplest way is uh, sales at Vita.com. And so I think that's uh, probably the easiest and they can always go to our website as well at uh, www.vita.com. So awesome. Awesome. Well, Vanita, uh, great conversation on behalf of our listeners. I want to thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us. Great dialogue and hopefully very informative for our listeners. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate it. You are welcome. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. For those interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this issue and links to Vita's website and contact information. Lastly, we've got some good interviews coming up over the next few months, but we're always looking for good companies to have on the show. If you know of an organization doing good work in the marketplace that you think would be a good fit for our show, send us a note and we'll be sure to check them out.
Thanks again for joining us. And we will see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.